Chapter 72 Nos invisibles prétendus sont, à ce que l'on dit, au nombre de trente-six, séparés en six bandes. Effroyable faction faite entre le diable et les prétendus invisibles. Paris, 1623, page 6 Maybe the manifestos have a double purpose, to send an appeal to the French and at the same time to collect the scattered pieces of the German group in the aftermath of the Lutheran Reformation. Germany, in fact, is where the biggest mess occurs. From the appearance of the manifestos until about 1621, the Rosicrucians received too many replies. I mentioned a few of the countless pamphlets that had appeared on the subject, the ones that had entertained me that night in Salvador with Amparo. Possibly among all these there is one person who knows something, but he is lost in a sea of fanatics, enthusiasts who take the manifestos literally, perhaps also provocateurs who want to block the operation, and impostors. The English try to take part in the debate to channel it. It's no accident that Robert Flood, another English Templar, in the space of a single year writes three works that point to the correct interpretation of the manifestos. But the response is by now out of control. The Thirty Years' War has begun, the Elector Palatin has been defeated by the Spanish, the Palatinate and Heidelberg are sacked, Bohemia is in flames. The English decide to return to France and try there. This is why in 1623 the Rosicrucians appear in Paris, giving the French more or less the same invitation they gave the Germans. And what you read in one of the libels against the Rosicrucians in Paris, written by someone who distrusts them or wants to confuse things? That they are worshippers of the devil, obviously, but since even in slander you can't entirely erase the truth, it is hinted that they hold their meetings in the Marais. So, don't you know Paris? The Marais is the quarter of the temple, and it so happens the Jewish ghetto. What's more, the libel says that the Rosicrucians are in contact with a sect of Iberian Kabbalists, the Alumbrados. But maybe the pamphlets against the Rosicrucians, under the guise of attacking the Thirty-Six Invisibles, are actually trying to foster their identification. Gabriel Naudet, Richelieu's librarian, writes some instructions à la France sur la vérité de l'histoire des frères de la Rose-Croix. What do these instructions say? Is Naudet a spokesman for the Templars of the Third Group, or is he an adventurer barging into a game that isn't his? On the one hand, he dismisses the Rosicrucians as lunatic diabolists. On the other, he insinuates that there are still three Rosicrucian colleges in existence. And this would be true. After the third group, there are still three more. Naudet gives some almost fairy-tale hints. One college is in India, on the floating islands. But he also says that one of them is in the underground of Paris. "'And this explains the Thirty Years' War?' Belbo asked. "'Beyond any doubt,' I said. "'Richelieu receives privileged information from Naudet. He wants to have a finger in this pie, but he gets it all wrong.' tries armed intervention and makes matters even worse. There are two other events that shouldn't be overlooked. In 1619, a chapter of the Knights of Christ meets in Tomar, after forty-six years of silence. It had met in 1573, only eleven years before 1584, probably to prepare, along with the English, the Paris journey. But after the business of the Rosicrucian Manifestos, it meets again, to decide what line to take, whether to join the English operation or try a different path. Yes, Belbo said. These are now people lost in a maze. Some choose one path, some another. Some shout for help, and there's no telling if the replies they hear are other voices or the echo of their own. They are all groping. And what are the Paulicians and the Jerusalemites doing in the meantime? If we only knew, Diotalevi said. But consider, too, that this is the period when Lurianic Kabbalah spreads, and the talk about the breaking of the vessels begins. 
and the idea that the Torah is an incomplete message. There is a Polish Hasidic document that says, if another event takes place, other combinations of letters will be born. But remember this, the Kabbalists aren't happy that the Germans chose to jump the gun. The proper succession and order of the Torah have remained hidden, and they are known only by the Holy One, praised be He. But you make me talk nonsense. If Kabbalah becomes involved in the plan... If the plan exists, it must involve everything. Either it explains all, or it explains nothing, Belbo said. But Kasavin mentioned a clue. Yes, actually it's a series of clues. Even before the 1584 meeting fails, John Dee has begun devoting himself to the study of maps and the promotion of naval expeditions. And who is his associate? Pedro Nunes, the royal cosmographer of Portugal. Dee has a hand in the voyages to discover the northwest passage to Cathay. He invests money in the expedition of a certain Frobisher, who ventures toward the Pole and returns with an Eskimo, whom everybody takes for a Mongol. Dee fires up Francis Drake and encourages him to make his voyage around the world. However, he wants the explorers to sail east because the east is the source of all occult knowledge, and at the departure of one expedition, I forget which, he summons the angels. And what does this mean? D, I think, isn't really interested so much in the actual discovery of places as in their cartographic depiction, and for this reason he consults Mercator and Ortelius, the great cartographers. It's as if the fragments of the message in his possession have convinced him that the final whole will be a map, and he is attempting to discover it on his own. Indeed, I'll say more, like Signor Garamond. Is it really likely that a scholar of his standing would have missed the discrepancy between the calendars? Perhaps D wants to reconstruct the message himself without the other groups. Perhaps he thinks the message can be reconstructed by magic or scientific means instead of waiting for the plan to be achieved. Impatience, greed. The bourgeois conqueror is born, and the principle of solidarity that sustained the spiritual knighthood is breaking down. If this was D's idea, you can imagine what Bacon thought. From D on, the English try to discover the message by using all the secrets of the new learning. And the Germans? The Germans? We'd better have them stick to the path of tradition. That way we can explain at least two centuries of their history of philosophy. Anglo-Saxon empiricism versus romantic idealism. Chapter by chapter we are reconstructing the history of the world, Diotalevi said. We are rewriting the book. I like it. I really like it. 